Thanks for joining for this episode of the Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest this episode is Mickey Budai. So, Mickey, if you could uh, introduce yourself, uh, give, give a little bit of background on on your company and what you're doing, and uh, let's let's chat. Thanks, Tony. That's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm the uh, CEO and co-founder of Transmit Security. Uh, we are basically an identity management company really focusing right now on eliminating passwords. I'm based um, in Israel, in, been in cybersecurity for about 30 years now. So I uh, started three companies. The first one is Imperva. I uh, was back in, uh, I believe, 2001. And the second one was uh, Tr Trusteer, which is now part of IBM Security. And for the past um, almost seven years now, it's Transmit Security. Really. Okay. Now, so you, Transmit Security, you say, is uh, about seven years old or the, the, the seven-year effort. Um, I will say I was not really aware of it until there was like the big the big funding news, uh, you know, in, in the last year. But that was it was really big funding news. I mean, I think that was you know one of the one of the larger funding rounds that I've I've heard of, which seems to suggest that there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of support at least on the investor side for getting rid of passwords absolutely we're seeing uh, tremendous support and interest um, in getting rid of passwords actually we we started as um, as an identity management company back you know seven years ago and really started because back in trustier we were doing mostly um, fraud detection and financial malware detection for financial institutions. And when we try to connect our uh, fraud capabilities with authentication and authorization, this is where we noticed that the architecture itself that organizations have today doesn't really work, doesn't really support it. And uh, we decided to kind of like think about identity slightly differently as something that brings together authentication, authorization and fraud or uh, account takeover, all the other aspects and also privacy. They're all kind of connected and they do not live in silos. And that's that's how we started. And we started working mostly with very large enterprises like the big banks, financial institutions, then moving on to telco providers, healthcare and um, retailers. And um, um, eventually what we um, kind of like felt, and uh, this was probably, I would say about two years ago, is that the technology and the conditions uh, for getting rid of passwords are final, finally here. And, uh, you know, we can t start taking this more seriously. So uh, we kind of like created this entire um, line of product around getting get rid of passwords and allow organizations to, when I'm saying getting rid of passwords, it's, it's kind of like important because um, we're all familiar with fingerprint authentication, face authentication, but typically they sit alongside passwords. So you can either authenticate with that or authenticate with passwords. So the passwords are still there and there are a lot of uh, issues definitely on the security side, unless you actually completely eliminate passwords. So that's, that's our focus, that's our differentiation, allowing you to even delete the passwords from your user's database 
which is um, a very big step. Okay, so let's get into that. So, you know, before we kicked off, you know, I had mentioned, you know, going back, I, I don't remember the exact year, but I want to say it was about 20 years ago that, you know, Bill, Bill Gates made the declaration that, you know, the, the, the password was dead or dying or, or whatever. Um, obviously, it's, uh, you know, 20 years later, and I have as many or more passwords as I had back then. Um, you know, and I've gone through the, all, all of the iterations of, you know, length and strength and complexity and, and such. And, and, you know, I, and I will say, you know, you know, I guess, you know, note to all the, uh, hackers out there who might want to attack me. Um, <laughs> I, I have, you know, over time kind of developed this, okay, this is, you know, this is a bank account or this is a credit card account, or this is an investment account. I will, I will create a unique, uh, password for that. But then I have all these like various websites, like every website wants me to register and create a password. And for most of those, I'm just using the same stupid password because I'm like, I don't really care if you, you know, it, like I, 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 I don't have the mental capacity, uh, to, to maintain, you know, 75 different complex passwords. And most of those websites I don't care about. Most of those websites I'm actually never going to log into again, which is, I guess creates a problem of its own. You know, the, that there are companies that are asking me to create a profile and, and create a password just to get access to something that I really only want one time. And now there's this zombie account sitting out there forever just waiting to get hacked. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting what you're saying because there, there are actually two implications to passwords. The first one is obviously security, and we can talk about that. But the second one is really uh, the business aspect of passwords. So you mentioned um, organizations asking you to create an account just to just to log in, just to check what they're offering, you know, perhaps uh, make a single purchase. Um, and that's really where uh, passwords and the business actually meet. And, um, you know, the, the impact of passwords ov over the, uh, the business is something that is overlooked by a lot of the organizations. And the main reason why it's overlooked, um, I think, is because up until recently, there were really no alternatives, real alternatives to passwords. So if you had to create an account for a user, if you want the user to return, so you want to kind of like um, let them in every time they come in. You need to create an account. You need to create a password for that. There are, there are no other alternatives. So we're kind of pushing uh, users toward that. And uh, because there were no alternatives, no one actually measured what's the impact of asking users to create a password on the business itself. And we did that actually, um, you know, recently over the past uh, 12 months or so with a, with a few surveys uh, that we did with consumers to check um, if there is a strong link between the business um, and, and passwords. And we found um, surprisingly strong correlation between the two. So, you know, I can give you a couple of examples. Uh, you know, the first one would be that when you're opening an account and you ask a customer to a prospect at that point to create a password, there is a great chance that many of them would just walk away. 
unless they're totally convinced that they want to transact with you, that they want to work with you, that they need your services, there is a very good chance that they'll walk away the moment you ask them to create an account because they're fed up with passwords and, and accounts. And as you said, you have so many accounts that um, you're not using, you just don't want your identity to, um, you know, to be stored in all these places that you don't know, you don't trust, you don't know whether you're going to use them again. And the second is actually, let's say that you did decide to open an account and provide a password, you did a single purchase. And then after a while, you come back to that website, could be because of, let's say, a promotion you get over email, you go to the website, they ask you for the password. You, you said before that you don't even remember these passwords, you don't give you know, a lot of uh, attention to that. So at that point, you, they ask you to authenticate, you don't remember the password. You need to go through a forgot my password process. And it turns out that more than 90% of consumers would rather leave, abandon the website at that point than go through a forgot my password uh, process. So unless once again, they're absolutely sure, 100% certain that this is a website they want to work with, they'll just walk away. And the impact on the business is huge because these are the prospects that you want to turn into consumers. These are the users that you want to make into, um, to, to turn into returning users. And you're just losing them right there because of the password. Well, and does, you know, the, the, that, that password reset process uh, in a lot of cases also you know, adds a potential, you know, attack vector. It adds, uh, you know, because it's just, you know, okay, well, we're going to send you an email or we're going to send you an SMS text. And both of those things are hijackable uh, on, on some level. So, you know, it, it, you know, not, not only is it a situation where I don't care enough about that company or that website to remember what the password was from three years ago. And now I'm trying to log in again and that's a pain in the ass for me. But in the meantime, you know, it, it, pretty much anyone could have come along and just tried to, you know, reset the password on my behalf, uh, and and you know, so that that creates a problem as well. Um, That's correct. Pa password. Just just to add to that, password reset is one of the main attack vectors today for uh, account takeover. Yeah. Um, so let, you 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 mentioned about how you know I I have an iPhone. I you know I I had an iPhone when it was Touch ID. I have an iPhone with Face ID. Um, I really appreciate it, but you know, you made the point that, you know, Apple, Apple does that, you know, it requires you, uh, you know, to create a pin as, as the backup, because I don't know, I mean, let's say you get in a car accident and you're, 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 you're now your face is all bandaged up and you, you know, you can't get in. Um, so you do, so, so I guess my question is sort of like, okay, how, how do you, how do you get around that? Like if you, if you remove that entirely, um, you know, how do I authenticate if my if my face is no longer available? Yeah, so f f I think we've, you know, we've been through a lot since the, um, you know, the first Touch ID technology was released. That was probably six years ago. Um, and at first, the, uh, the technology itself was really, you know, 
not that reliable. Uh, we, we all remember like, you know, trying to log in and it didn't really work. And, uh, you know, if the finger was wet or something like that. And then, but I, I think that over the past uh, six or seven years, um, the technology has made a lot of um, progress. Uh, definitely uh, with fingerprint authentication, but also with face authentication. So the new sensors in all the phones, um, you know, I, I hardly find myself locked out of, of my phone because I cannot authenticate, even it's, you know, in dark conditions or, you know, with my sunglasses on. I, sometimes I find it works better in dark conditions, especially like with um, with Windows Hello. Like sometimes if it's too like outside in the sun, it actually doesn't work as well. It all, you know, and because you have to you know, like for uh, not you, I assume you understand, but for people in general, you have to understand that that face ID and windows. Hello are not looking at a picture of your face. So the fact that your, your face is bright and, and, and shiny and you can see your face on the screen and, and stuff, that's not really relevant because it's doing all kinds of infrared, you know, stuff that, that, that bright light actually kind of messes it up. That's correct. And, um, you know, also in terms of fingerprint authentication, I'm sure you remember like, you know, the uh, the first generation of fingerprint readers in, uh, you know, I, I don't remember like Lenovo uh, desktop. It was really painful to use. You had to scroll your finger, you know, most of the times you didn't read it correctly. You had to do this over and over again. And then and then now. So. Uh... I forget which model, not not the current model of of, of Surface Laptop, but I, re, I was I was reviewing the the previous model of the Surface Laptop, and the the model that I had had the fingerprint sensor to to log in, and it didn't have a Windows Hello camera uh, capable camera. It just had the fingerprint sensor, but that thing was lightning fast, and I mean, and almost to the point that I questioned the security of it because I was like, I was like, are you telling me you you, know, you can actually tell? That is my fingerprint and only my fingerprint in the like 0.1 seconds it took me to just tap this little sensor. You, you know, there is a, there is a, a debate around uh, the usability of security, especially around authentication, that if it's too easy, uh, people, especially consumers, may think that it's not that secure. Um, so it's like, you know, how much friction do we need to add? And sometimes people think or organization think they need to add artificial friction. So users think that, um, you know, the uh, uh, the account is secure. But I think it's a matter of education and people are now uh, are much more comfortable with biometric authentication. By the way, there is also still a lot of confusion about the uh, the biometric themselves and the privacy around biometric and uh, you know i think this is a this is a really important point because um, not everyone understands yet that in terms of privacy the uh, biometric authentication methods that we're doing using today with the iphone or you know windows machines and macs um, is, is even more secure and more private than definitely all the other methods, especially passwords. Uh, the biometrics never leave the device. The biometrics are stored in, um, in a specific dedicated hardware or co-processor that sits in the device and only um, that co-processor has an as access to 
the actual biometrics. So all the comparison is done on the client side. So if you're authenticating to a specific website, that website doesn't know anything about your biometrics, doesn't do any biometric uh, authentication, and doesn't collect any biometric data on you. So it's much more secure, much more private than anything else. Yeah, I actually, it, it, I am not going to be able to uh, r repeat uh, effectively what I was told, but I had I had a discussion with someone, uh, I want to say it was last year at RSA, uh, with a vendor. we were talking about password versus PIN, and I was trying to make the argument of, like, isn't that a semantic distinction? Like, uh, like I, either way, I have to remember something, and I have to use it to log in. That's just, the PIN is just a numeric password, and he was like, no, no, no. Uh, you know, because the, you know, the password is, you know, being authenticated against something on, on a third party, it's going across and the pin is stored on the device, you know, so the pin is just authenticating you on the device. And I was like, okay, now I guess that's a, f a fair distinction. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the, um, the argument of centralized authentication versus decentralized authentication or local authentication. So basically, uh, it's whether the website that authenticates you as a centralized database of your credentials. Um, and if that's true, it means that anyone basically from any device, any location could go with your credentials and authenticate against that database. And even with biometrics, there are uh, certain methods of um, centralized biometrics. They're not that common today, but uh, they're still there where you're authenticating against a centralized database. So anyone who is trying to spoof your identity, uh, let's say your face, could try and do that against the centralized database. When you go to decentralized authentication or local authentication, the uh, credentials are stored on the device itself. So first of all, to in order to use the credentials, you need access to the device itself. So if you look at two-factor authentication, that's something you have, that's the device itself. And then if you're using a PIN, that's something you know. So you're using a PIN. Obviously, if you use the same PIN code across all the different devices you have, uh, then, um, you know, if I look over your shoulder and I look at your uh, pin code and I have access to one of your devices, I could I could use that. So I would argue it's uh, it's less secure than uh, than biometrics, obviously, but it's still better than the centralized world of credentials. Okay, so what is your approach? Like what? 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 What makes Transmit Security uh, unique? Like, well, you know, how? How are you? How are you working to change this uh, equation? Well, I think the uh, the big challenge uh, with biometrics is the fact that users have today more than just one device, and um, you know, if you look at centralized biometrics as we uh, discussed earlier. Uh, with passwords, it doesn't matter how many devices you have. You have a single password. You can come from any device you want and log in. But with decentralized uh, authentication, um, with biometrics, device biometrics, they're tied to a specific device. So what you really need to do is to manage the different devices that each one of your users have 
and to manage the binding of the biometrics of uh, on this device to the identity of the user and then be able to go and say, you know what, this is Tony, even though um, it's coming from his Windows machine or iPhone or tablet, we know that uh, this is the same person. And keep in mind that the website itself doesn't know, uh, doesn't really have um, access to your biometrics. So they need to rely on some sort of mechanism to say that all these devices are actually uh, actually belong to Tony. And what you really want to avoid is a lengthy and inconvenient process where you bind each of these devices to your identity because really what we're seeing is that a single user may have like four different devices and change devices on almost a yearly basis now. Um, so you don't want that process across all devices you have across all the websites you're accessing. So think about the numbers, right? It's like you're probably accessing 200 different uh, websites for different purposes and you're changing a device and now you need to rebind this device against all these 200 websites and that's, that's a huge pain. And if you want to do this securely, you need multiple factors of, of authentication that are not your biometrics to gain the same level of trust in the device uh, that you had before. So it's becoming a real big problem. What we're doing is we're allowing you to uh, enroll once um, and do that across all the websites, all the applications that are leveraging the transmit technology. So you, as a user, as an end user, you only enroll once. And then if you have multiple devices, we know how to transfer the trust between all these devices so you don't need to enroll each one of them separately. So let's say you have four devices across 200 uh, websites, right? That's um, 800 enrollments that you need to go through. That's a lot. And once you uh, set a new device, that's another 200 um, enrollments that you need to go through. And with our technology, you get rid of all of that. You enroll once, you use it across all, we take care of all the security aspects and we make it really accessible, really easy to all the websites, all the application to consume that as a service with um, a simple API basically. So, um, you know, in, in a matter of let's say um, hours, hours technically, you can get rid of your entire database of passwords and replace it with a passwordless solution across all your users and all your applications. Okay, so two two things on that. Number one, would it be fair to compare that or draw an analogy to like certificate authorities? You know, basically, basically, you're you're a you're a proxy for trust. You're a third party where we I, I say I trust you. The company says they trust you. And together we decide that we're going to we're going to rely on you as the trusted source of authentication. It, it it's a fair um, comparison. I, I would say that what we're doing, because we're not really managing the biometrics, as we said, the biometrics are managed on the device itself. We're managing the um, 
cryptographic keys that are tied to the biometrics and the process of validating these keys against each one of the uh, the devices and then linking them to a single um, single person, single identity and providing that um, as a single um, input to the website that is uh, that is calling us. So in, in terms of security, what we are doing or what we're offloading from all these websites is the um, the need to deal with all the cryptography, all the linking, um, all the understanding of a user across multiple devices um, uh, from the website and the application owners. You're also taking away the burden and I mean the responsibility from a from a compliance perspective uh, and from just a pure security perspective of you know, you know, that that's a huge burden, you know, like you have all these, all, you have all this, you know, personal information that you're in charge of, you know, for the, for these customers. Um, and if you screw up and your, and your password database is somehow exposed or compromised, you know, that's on you. Uh, so, you know, if, if, if an organization, you know, chooses to work with transmit security instead, you know, they, they, they not only get rid of the, the, the kind of the administrative overhead, but they get rid of the, the kind of, you know, security responsibility and burden to, to some extent as well. The, the, the regu regulatory uh, aspect of passwords and identity is um, is massive, right? It's like the liability aspect of it for organizations is uh, something no one should take lightly. And um, the fact that you're actually getting rid of passwords and um, not liable anymore to the private information of your uh, consumers, of your users, and even employees, that's a big win for organizations. So we're definitely offloading this, but in a much more secure way. It's not like we're taking the passwords and putting them you know, somewhere else and taking responsibility of the passwords, we're replacing that with much, with much more secure and private technologies, and we're taking the burden off the, uh, the website of having to manage that. Because from a management perspective, that's much, much more complex than managing passwords. And we do that, but from a security, from a compliance compliance perspective, that that's a huge win for all organizations, and definitely from the business aspect that we discussed earlier. Because if you look at the problems that we've mentioned, one of them is I don't want to create an account to create a password. I don't want to like you know reset my password if I forgot it. If you take these uh, problems away, the um, the amount of business that organizations can save or create is massive. We're talking hundreds of percents, right? It's like it's really a big thing uh, business-wise. If you can go to a website that you, have, you haven't seen before and um, you, you want to transact with them and all you need to do is touch the, uh, the fingerprint um, um, you know, sensor or look at the camera and that's it. You don't need to do anything else. That's that's a great win from from a business perspective. How so you know one of the things that's that's become more common in the in 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 the past few years is you know I go to a website, it asks me to create an account, but I have the option of I can I can either create the account using my email address and creating a password 
or I can just click on the login with Facebook or login with Apple, um, you know, where it's basically federating the, 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 the identity or authenticating it through an API from those sources. How is what Transmit doing, is it similar or how is it different or better than that? It simplifies things, both for consumers and for the organization itself, for the website itself. With login with Google, login with Facebook, login with LinkedIn, login with uh, you know all the other um, options. Um, the the problem is that you can't really do with one, and you have to create multiple options for your users, and then you need to take into account users that don't want to use any of these. So you need to offer the password alternative as well. So you go to this website, sometimes you see like six, seven different ways to, uh, to log in, um, including passwords. And one of the outcomes of that is that consumers get confused, not when they log in for the first time, but when they come in for the second time. I, so, was, literally, I was literally gonna go there next. I was gonna say, and the, the, the problem with that is, now when I go back to the site, I'm like, Crap! I don't remember. Did I log? Did I create a password? Did I log in with Apple? Did I, you know how did I log in? And then you know, so now I I don't recall how I got into the site in the first place. Exactly, and that's even a bigger problem because when you're doing login with Google with many of these websites, they automatically create an account for you. So you do login with Google, uh, they create an account for you. You come in, you come back after a month, you don't remember which one you used. You do login with Facebook, they create a new account for you. So you have multiple accounts, you don't know where your data is, like your previous work, and uh, it creates an, uh, a problem not just for the consumer, but for the organization itself, that they have multiple accounts for the same persona and they're losing work that their uh, customers did. So we find this um, kind of like very confusing and there is no way to consolidate all that into a, a single experience. What we're saying is that, okay, let's leave all that aside and allow users a very single, simple way to authenticate with their fingerprint face. That's the future, it's supported in all new devices, most of the devices supported today. And that's, you, you don't need to, to think overthink uh, the uh, the login process, and from the organization side, they always get the same uh, identity for the user, regardless of the different devices that the user is using. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm 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 uh, all for that, uh, and you know, and and I, and I have appreciated. You know, even even the steps along that path, like you know, I think we ha we have made progress in in terms of you know, like I said, I, I I will use Windows Hello or even a pin to to log into a Windows machine, but at least once I've done that, once I've authenticated to the machine, you know, M Windows is storing all these passwords, and I don't I don't have to try to remember everything all, all the time. You know, I I authenticated once to the machine, the machine does the rest for me. Um, you know, I have basically the same thing with my iPhone, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm authenticating to the device. It has all these stored passwords. You know, the, the problem comes up when I go somewhere where, you know, where the password's not stored or, or actually a big problem, which I ju actually just ran into this week is when you have a situation where you're forced to reset your password for some reason, you know, they say, okay, well, you know, it's whatever it's 90 days, it's 120 days, whatever the, the pro policy is, 
And they're like, well, we need you to reset your password, but in order to do so, you need to give us your old password first. And I'm like, Psh, I don't remember what the hell my old password was. <laughs> like I've been, I've been using Microsoft and Apple to remember my password for me. I don't know what it is. And so then I end up, I end up having to go through the password reset process in order to reset my password, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? It's even repetitive because let's say you're using Windows and, on, and uh, you know, iPhone, right? So you have Windows, uh, whatever you use there, um, remembering your passwords. So you then go to your iPhone, you try to go to the same um, website, the same application, they're asking for the password, it's not there. So you go through a reset my password, forgot my password, you create a new password, you don't even remember it because you know the iPhone is going to remember it. So that's that's cool, right? It's like, you know, I, I got this covered. You then go back to Windows and they're trying to log you in with the previous password. Right. So that's now it's like, oh crap, what do I do? Um, you need to go through reset your password again. And uh, you reset the password. Now Windows remember the password, iPhone doesn't, right? So it's like, uh, it's, it's a big problem. What right. it actually, what we actually saw is that uh, many users are kind of limiting themselves for uh, to a specific device per website or application, just because that device remembers their password and they don't want to go through that process uh, on, on another device. Or even the specific browser. You know, so like I use multiple browsers in Windows yeah. and, and you know, most of the time I'm in Edge, but then I'll go into Chrome and I'll try to visit a site and it doesn't remember, you know, that password's not stored there. The password is, is associated with Edge. And, you know, now I have to go through that same, that same, you know, process of, okay, well now I need to also store the password in Chrome. Yeah, and that's that's a great business for the um, you know for the browser because it creates stickiness. But for the website itself, it's horrible because um, you know they want you to access their service from all devices. Let's say you get a promotional email on your iPhone, you click on it, you try to log in, you don't remember the password. There is a good chance you'll just you know delete or ignore the email and move on. Um, that's 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 a big uh, problem. What you want to create is um, um, a scenario in which you go from any device. You read your email. You get a text message. You whatever it is. You you see. You even see um, an, an advertisement. You click on it. You're already logged in, regardless of the device. And um, you know also when you're coming from new devices, which is a huge pain. Yeah, and I've I, I've actually experienced that recently as well. Not not I I don't think I deleted it or or didn't do it, but I like I got an email like on my iPhone, clicked it, it went and it was like yeah I don't I don't have the login info there, and so I mean, I it, 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 as I recall I eventually got to it, but it was something in my mind where I was like well instead of going through the pain of trying to figure out how to log in here, I just need to remember next time I'm at my desk to to click on this so I can get into it from Windows because Windows knows how to log me in. Exactly. And once uh, for some reason it's deleted from Windows, that's where, you know, the pain really starts. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, it would be it would be great to see the uh, the, the end of passwords. Um, you know, and like I said, I think we've we've we we have made some progress, but uh, you know, to all the points we've discussed, it's like the 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 the, the progress kind of comes with 
uh, you know, caveats of its own, um, you know, and there, there are, there are still certainly issues and hurdles. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, and I still get, you know, password, uh, you know, reset requests all, all the time. Actually, one of the things I was going to say uh, that I've noticed is there are a few sites. Um, I want to say Netflix and PayPal stand out to me that, that do this where, um, to kind of combat that thing you were talking about, about you reset your password on one and then it doesn't work on the other where you can reset your password and then it asks you, okay, do you want to log out of all other instances, which would then force you to use the new password for everything or leave them. And so like I've reset the password and then, you know, but, but then everyone else, you know, who's who, you know, like all the, all the, the, the devices in my house that are already logged into Netflix under the old password, they're fine until or unless you get to the point uh, where, um, you know, for some reason you log out of there and now you have to log back in and you don't know what the password is again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really think that the technology to get rid of passwords is really, it's, it's available, it's ready. Um, and, um, you know, the interesting part about it is that identity is typically considered like a very complex domain which means that whenever you need to do a project in identity, whether it's authentication, authorization, account takeover, it's going to be a really complex uh, process for the organization, really painful, um, really expensive. And I think that for the first time, we have uh, the opportunity to, um, to, to introduce technologies that not only make security better, not only make usability better, but also get rid of all the complexity um, in identity and specifically around authentication. And, um, you know, organizations could achieve that very easily today, and it's going to be even easier in the future. Yeah. Well, and w one of the things I, I, I found very interesting about our conversation here is I have almost always viewed the password um, issue from the consumer side, from the side of, you know, I have to deal with remembering passwords. I have to figure out, you know, do I use a password management tool? Do I, you know, write the passwords down in a, in a, in a note on my, uh, you know, or, or an Excel spreadsheet or something in my computer? Like, you know, how am I supposed to keep track of all this stuff? And I'm, I'm viewing it from the, the pain points of the consumer, but, you've made a lot of good points about the pain points from the business side as well. And, 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 and really kind of, you know, making the case for, you know, why, why it's in the business's best interest to get rid of the passwords as well. Uh, from the business perspective, it's, it's definitely not just security. Security is really uh, what everyone is um, focused on. And obviously, like, you know, we mentioned before uh, the evolution of password, right? It started with a really simple passwords, right? One, two, three, four. And then everyone used one, two, three, four. So we started, okay, let's uh, set uh, minimum length. Let's make sure they mix characters. Let's make sure they add special character. Let's make sure they change their passwords. Um, you know, and then let's make sure they don't reuse the passwords they already used before. So it's like adding patching the password almost um, over and over and over again to the point where it's um, not secure, but also 
um, not not usable anymore. So people find hacks, right? They find okay, we'll use the same password over and over again across all um, you know all the websites we have. Uh, when we ask to change a password, we're just going to change a single uh, character um, or add a single character at the end of it. So. Um, well I, I lived that. So I was when I when I was a network admin back in the day, uh, you know, I was a one man IT department for this uh, for a dot com. And uh, I, I implemented a password policy where I was like, all right, well, we're going to we're going to change the passwords every, you know, 60 days or we're actually I think it was 30 days. We were, we're going to change passwords every 30 days. And it had to be it had to have, you know, uppercase, lowercase and a number. And I found out a few months later when I went to go help someone, uh, you know, solve a problem with their thing that what she had done was she just used whatever the month was and like <laughs> the number one, you know, and it's just that, that so every month it was just, you know, all right, where well, we're going. And, and because I also had a, you can't reuse the passwords, but I think it was only, I only had it for like, you can't reuse like the last you know, 12 passwords. So basically you could do January one, February one, March one, April one, and get through the year and then start over and use those passwords again. You know, so it's like, you know, you know, people, people find a way to work around whatever your policy is. And, and there's a lot of debate still about what's the right best way to do that. You know, like, is it really more secure to have an eight character password that requires you to have special characters and upper and lower case and numbers, you know, so you're adding all these various complexities, or is it more secure to just require that you have at least a 30 character password, regardless of what characters you use? It's, it's, a, it's a fair debate and there are like pros and cons to, um, you know, to each uh, approach, but I would say it's an irrelevant um, debate today because we can just get rid of that. And, um, you know, we, we spoke about the business aspect of it, but it's really like think about where a consumer or user meets uh, the password. It's when they open an account and it's when they really want to log in, really want to get access to your uh, to your website or service. So at a point where you need the least friction with the user, when you want to make the biggest impact in terms of customer experience, you're doing the opposite. You're just making the, uh, you know, the initial experience for them with your service and the ongoing experience for them every time they try to access your service as something that is stressful. And it's actually, we measure that. It's very stressful for people not to remember their passwords. So that moment where you sit in front of the login page and you're trying to figure out what was the password I was using here or I used here before, that's very stressful. You can actually see their, um, um, you know, their, their pulse going up. And, um, and, and that's not the way you want to start your engagement with your consumers. So it has to be easier, has to be more relaxed, has to be um, more convenient for users. And that's, that's, the, uh, that's the basic of it in terms of um, the business aspect. Awesome. So, you know, it's gonna be next week before I get this, uh, you know, uh, online, but uh, you know, this week Black Hat's going on. You know, so there are people in Las Vegas for Black Hat and DEF CON. Um, I, I had really hoped to be there. Like I was kind of looking forward to finally getting back to a security conference, but uh, ultimately it was like, nah, <laughs> the way things are going right now, I don't think I wanna be in Las Vegas. 
Um, yeah, but I am. I, am well, I got my fingers crossed that we'll uh, hopefully get get our stuff together before uh, RSA, and uh, I'd really like to be able to get to RSA in person. Yeah, so do I. I'm like I'm I'm I miss traveling, and it's actually. You know, for I really wanted to go to Black Hat, but um, Israel has uh, just put more restrictions uh, right now because of COVID. So when you get back, you need to go to uh, seven days of um, self-isolation. And I was like, no, I'm not going to, to do that. So, right. Yeah. And especially like, you know, it, it's there are certain hotspots here and Las Vegas is actually one of them. I mean, I live in Texas, which is one of them. Florida is the worst. Um, but Florida and actually, I'm not really sure how things are in Nevada. I was going to say Florida and Texas, it's self-inflicted. Uh, you know, it's just bad governing. Um, I'm not sure what's going on in Nevada. I just know that, you know, what last time I checked, they had pretty low vaccination rates and, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's a tourist hub. So you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people coming from all over the world, you know, and, and commingling in, in one spot. And so that, that's kind of bound to be a hot spot of, uh, uh, on some level, um, you know, whether we're talking about covid or the flu or the common cold i mean it's just you know it, it, it's it's already it was already a regular thing for those of us who go to black hat and rsa you know there was always the conference flu like you know like it's it's a, it's just a common and known thing that you go to a conference with 50,000 people and you come back with a cold or a flu or something because that's how it works yeah I remember like back in RSA, it was a couple of years ago, I think, like, you know, there, there were like a lot of people got um, got COVID because of that. Yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, so yeah, two years ago, that was the last uh, thing I went to. I mean, you know, because and I remember they were on the fence about canceling it. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and they decided to go forward and they, they just, you know, put out hand sanitizer stations every 50 feet. Uh, and, and, you know, and there, there were, there were some people in masks, but not really masks weren't really a thing yet. It was just a lot of hand sanitizer. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And then, you know, then, and that was, that was really kind of my first, uh, the beginning of me hearing about it though. So like, I wasn't even really concerned that much then. Um, but then like, it was like the week after that, that everything shut down. Cause I was, I was supposed to, I came back from RSA, I was supposed to go to Austin to to go, you know, do some different things, meet some, meet with some people the following week, and then everything went on lockdown, and I basically didn't leave my house for nine months. Yeah, yeah, so. I, I I do miss the uh, the conferences and uh, these face to face meetings. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, fingers crossed. If uh, you know things things cool off a bit and we can go to RSA in person, uh, you know, we can go grab a grab a beer together. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for joining me and taking the time. Uh, and I will uh, talk to you later. Thank you, Tony. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. Let me know if you love it. Let me know if it sucks. And uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.